What the sus? 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of What the Sus podcast. This episode marks the second of our two special releases through which we have the opportunity to hear from other students here at Dalhousie. So, rather than hearing the familiar voices of our usual What the Sus hosts, we are hearing from students from San Patton's Climate Change and Human Health course. In this course, students were divided into six groups and each asked to create a 20-minute podcast episode as their final project. Each group chose a topic involving climate change and human health that was interesting to them, and six compelling podcast episodes were produced. Our What the Sus podcast crew was given the opportunity by San Patton to listen to each of these episodes and provide feedback. We really enjoyed this process as it allowed us to take a step back and recognize what we value in a podcast episode. We are all so grateful that we were invited to listen to a broader range of voices and hear their opinions on sustainability. Each episode was clearly well thought out and presented with intention. As a part of what the SUS collaboration on this project, after much discussion, we were able to identify two episodes that went above and beyond expectations in the production of their podcasts. These groups have both been offered a spot in our Human Health mini-series. Our most recently aired episode was produced by one of these groups and focused on how extreme weather events affect human health, under the title of Storms. This episode will focus on gender inequality and drought in sub-Saharan Africa. Please sit back and enjoy the hard work and perspectives provided by our fellow Dalhousie students. Before we get started, this is just a quick disclaimer. These students take on roles and provide discussions based on research that they had personally conducted. So the roles that you're hearing may not be real necessarily, but all of their information and all of their background research is accurate. But if as you are listening, you have any questions regarding the source materials and the resources that they used, please do not hesitate to reach out to us and contact us on Instagram at whatthesuspod or by email wtsust at gmail.com and we will reply promptly. Enjoy the episode! Hello and welcome to our podcast, Drought and Gender Inequality, Unearthing a Silent Crisis. I'm Anjali, a Sustainability and International Development major at Dalhousie University and I'm here with some fellow university students. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm studying biology also at Dal. And I'm Brianna, another Dalhousie student, double majoring in biology and sustainability. Today we have an important topic to dive into, drought and gender inequality, with a particular focus on sub-Saharan Africa, a region grappling with extreme drought and gender disparities. It's so important to explore how these two issues are interconnected and how they affect communities in sub-Saharan Africa especially since this is a crisis that is not often talked about, but will become more and more relevant as the climate changes. With increasing temperatures comes more drought. Absolutely. So the purpose of this podcast is to raise awareness about the unique challenges that women and gender minorities face during droughts and to explore the root causes that perpetuate these inequalities. That's right, Brianna. And by understanding these issues, we hope to foster a broader conversation on how we can create more equitable and resilient communities in the face of climate change and its devastating effects. So without further ado, Christina is going to dive into the background of drought and gender inequality in sub-Saharan Africa to give us a little context about the issue. 
Let's begin by first understanding what we mean by drought. Drought is a prolonged and severe shortage of rainfall that leads to water scarcity, diminished crop yields, and reduced access to clean water for communities. It often results in food insecurity, malnutrition, and economic hardships. Drought is a pressing issue in Sub-Saharan Africa, specifically due to factors like its geography, climate variability, poor water resource management, and rapid population growth. The region historically faces recurrent droughts with varying intensity. Climate change poses a significant concern as it may lead to more frequent and severe droughts. That's a sobering picture of the challenges related to drought in Sub-Saharan Africa, Christina. But how does gender inequality fit into this context? Gender inequality refers to disparities in access to resources, opportunities, and decision-making power between men and women. In the context of drought in Sub-Saharan Africa, it becomes particularly relevant as women often bear a disproportionate burden due to their traditional roles in water collection, food provision, and caregiving. Gender inequality essentially exasperates the impacts of drought, making women and gender minorities more vulnerable. So gender inequality adds another layer of complexity to the already challenging issue of drought in Sub-Saharan Africa. But why is it crucial to consider gender inequality in this context? Christina, can you tell us a little bit more about why it's an important issue? That's an excellent question. Gender inequality is intricately woven into the fabric of drought-related issues, and it's essential to explore how it exasperates these challenges. Gender inequality in Sub-Saharan Africa, stroke affected regions is rooted in a complex web of cultural norms, economic disparities, and unequal access to resources. Cultural norms often dictate traditional gender roles, which tend to restrict women to domestic chores, such as water collection, food provisions, and caregiving responsibilities. These roles limit their access to resources and decision-making power, making them more susceptible to the shock of drought. It's easy to see how, as water and food resources become scarcer, women would find themselves shouldering an even heavier load. Economic inequalities are another significant factor. Women in Sub-Saharan Africa frequently face restricted access to credit, land, and modern agricultural technologies. These are resources crucial for drought resilience. Men, on the other hand, tend to have more opportunities to access these resources, making them better equipped to withstand the impacts of drought. Men are also often prioritized for higher paying jobs, um, which leaves women with lower paying and less stable employment options. That's a great point. This economic disparity not only exasperates their vulnerability, but also constrains their ability to adapt to changing circumstances. It's important to recognize that these cultural norms, economic disparities, and unequal access to resources all contribute to the persistence of gender inequality in Sub-Saharan Africa's drought-prone regions. Addressing these root causes is vital for finding sustainable solutions that not only mitigate the impacts of drought, but also tackle the gender disparities and in, that intensify these effects. That's definitely an important point, Christina. It's crucial to highlight that these disparities have lasting consequences, not just for women, but for the entire community. The cycle of poverty is often perpetuated when women have limited economic opportunities during droughts, which in turn hinders access to essential healthcare services, education, and other support systems. Yes, agreed. The consequences of drought and gender inequality are far-reaching and have a significant impact on the health and well-being of individuals and communities in Sub-Saharan Africa. Absolutely, Anjali. And it's not just the individual level. These consequences also have broader societal implications. 
gender disparities in access to resources and opportunities can slow down the region's overall development and economic progress. So it's not only a matter of social justice, but also a matter of economic development and sustainability. That's right, Christina. The consequences of gender inequality and drought are far-reaching. Vulnerable communities, especially marginalized genders, bear the brunt of water scarcity and food insecurity. These challenges can lead to health issues, including waterborne diseases, malnutrition, and mental health challenges. Gender roles and social norms play a significant role in perpetuating vulnerability during droughts, limiting opportunities for education, work, and self-care. In the next segment, we will explore the far-reaching consequences of gender inequality in the context of drought, focusing on its effects on health, education, and livelihoods. One of the most significant threats of drought, specifically in sub-Saharan Africa, is its impacts on agricultural production, affecting food security, income, nutrition, and disease prevalence. In terms of water scarcity, what comes to mind first is water collection. This has gendered implications, right? Yes. In many rural areas of sub-Saharan Africa, people already struggle to find safe drinking water, and women are often the ones bearing the burden of water collection. For example, the Women's Environment and Development Organization found that as rainfall declines, women in Senegal have to walk longer distances to access drinking water and water for household chores, such as cooking and bathing. Already, 37% of the rural sub-Saharan African population is half an hour or more away from a safe drinking water source. In fact, it can take over 20 hours a week to locate and fetch water. When women are the ones doing this work, those hours take away from the opportunity for education or secure livelihoods. That's a great point about how water collection can affect education and employment opportunities. Water scarcity is such an intersectional issue. It doesn't only affect women who have to travel long distances for water, but also those who work in agriculture. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to bring attention to those who depend on natural resources and have climate-sensitive livelihoods, particularly poor female farmers, as they disproportionately affected by the impacts of climate change. Yes, one thing that we don't often think about is how many female farmers there are in sub-Saharan Africa. This totally ties into the gendered impacts of drought because women's lack of legal rights to land and control over natural resources leaves them very vulnerable. Listen to these statistics. 60 to 80% of smallholder farmers in sub-Saharan Africa are women, but they are only 2 to 15% of landholders. This contrast, which is partly due to women's involvement in informal sectors, highlights a significant issue. With no land title, female farmers face increased difficulties accessing essential supplies like seeds and fertilizers, making them more vulnerable to crop damage during droughts. There have even been reports of women being forced into sexual acts to access water sources for their crops because they're excluded from agricultural support during times of drought. Wow, I did not realize that the share of landholders versus smallholder farmers was so inequitable in terms of gender. It's distressing to think that a farmer could be forced into violent situations just to water her crops. Yes, unfortunately, drought leads to a lot of gendered violence. Drought fuels conflict over water resources, putting women and girls at risk of gender-based violence, trafficking, and other dangers. And the UN High Commissioner for Refugees found that when drought forces people to migrate, women and girls become some of the most vulnerable refugees because of the prevalence of sex trafficking and violence in refugee camps. Also, drought can increase the risk of intimate partner violence due to factors like poverty and distress as households face hunger and financial strain. In fact, a study of 19 sub-Saharan African countries actually found that women in severe drought are 28.6% more likely to experience sexual violence, and women in moderate drought are 17% more likely. 
Women in food insecure houses may also not be able to escape abusive partners due to economic dependence, um, which could lead to physical and psychological consequences like injury, substance abuse, mental health concerns, pregnancy complications, etc. Yes, unemployed women are especially at risk, which becomes a greater issue as unemployment tends to rise with drought. And speaking of mental health issues, I wanted to touch on the psychological impacts of drought in general. Prolonged drought can lead to a range of mental health challenges, including anxiety, depression, and stress. The uncertainty related to water and food scarcity, economic instability, and livelihood loss can take a toll on the mental well-being of individuals, especially women who may bear the burden of household responsibilities and caregiving. Yeah, good point. It's so important to recognize mental as well as physical effects on women. When you think of drought and health, it's easy to just think about disease or other physical impacts. Yes, which are definitely important as well. For instance, limited access to clean water can result in the consumption of contaminated water, leading to waterborne diseases such as diarrhea, cholera, and dysentery. Women who are often caregivers may be at higher risk of contracting and spreading these diseases as they care for sick family members. True, women are disproportionately at risk of contracting waterborne diseases and of suffering the mental effects of water and food insecurity. And what about education? I know you mentioned briefly earlier that the time required for water collection impedes on educational opportunities, but could you expand a little on this impact? Absolutely. So in terms of education, the impact on young girls is particularly concerning. They often have to drop out of school to help their families secure income and water resources. In Kenya, for instance, over 180,000 children dropped out of school due to drought in 2017, with the majority being girls. Wow, I had no idea that was the case. I know, and the consequences are not short-term. They can span generations. For instance, malnutrition is an increasingly alarming issue, especially among pregnant women in arid and semi-arid land areas. Drought exasperates this vulnerability, leading to acute malnutrition. Pregnant women exposed to drought are then more likely to have low birth weight children, who are more likely to have lower income, less education, and more significant challenges. So ultimately, drought can lock women and their families and communities into vicious cycles of poverty, where basic needs and rights become inaccessible, affecting not only individuals, but entire societies. You've really underscored here the urgency of addressing gender inequality in the context of drought. Yep, in order to break these cycles of intergenerational poverty, it's essential to find sustainable solutions to mitigate the far-reaching impacts. So, Brianna, I'll hand it over to you to explore that. Yeah, thank you so much for shedding light on the profound and long-term consequences of gender inequality in drought-prone regions. In this next segment, we will delve into some of the innovative solutions that have successfully addressed gender inequality in drought resilience. These real-life programs have not only empowered individual women and promoted gender equality, but they've also contributed to enhanced resilience in rural areas and improved whole communities' ability to withstand drought. So let's take a closer look at a couple notable examples of these inspiring initiatives within the context of Sub-Saharan Africa. The Water Warriors Project in Kenya actively involves women in water resource management, giving them the training and resources to participate in decision-making processes related to water access. In Malawi, the Sustainable Agriculture and Gender Equality, or SAGE, project also provides women with training instilling skills in leadership and agricultural techniques. 
This promotes sustainable farming practices and grants women increased agency over their families and communities' food security during times of drought. So beyond specific gender and water-based initiatives, it's also critical for other supports, or social supports, I should say, to focus on the needs of women in drought-prone regions and recognize the health challenges that accompany drought, like the African Women Leaders Network for Reproductive Health and Family Planning. Globally, it is also encouraging to see programs like the Women's Water Collectives in India, which educate and empower women to, water, to manage water resources effectively. These examples demonstrate that effective programs and initiatives exist to address gender inequality and drought resilience. They not only empower women, but also contribute to more resilient and sustainable communities, recognizing the crucial role of gender and climate change, adaptation, and drought management. Absolutely. So now let's shift our focus to gender-responsive policies. Governments and international organizations play a key role in addressing gender inequality through policy development, promotion, legislation, budget allocation, and implementation. These policies may include strategies for increasing women's participation in decision-making processes and granting greater access to land and resources. A successful example of this can be found in Tanzania, where women with land rights earn 3.8 times more income, increasing their financial resilience to issues such as drought. International organizations like the United Nations play a pivotal role in offering guidelines and capacity building programs. Their support in promoting gender-responsive policies is instrumental in driving change. Yes, because these policies can have a significant impact when addressing gender inequality in the context of drought, as they often hold more weight than the programs and initiatives I just discussed. However, advocacy efforts are essential to ensure that they are not just words on paper, but are indeed effectively implemented. Governments and other organizations must be held accountable for their commitments to gender equality. One systemic way this could be achieved is through the Gender Action Plan of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, or the UNFCCC. This plan represents a significant step towards recognizing women's critical role in climate adaptation and resilience by mainstreaming gender into climate policies. Gender mainstreaming guarantees that gender perspectives are integrated into all aspects of climate and drought management, recognizing that gender is a cross-cutting intersection which affects sustainability in various areas. It's a multifaceted approach that has huge potential but requires collaboration and commitment from governments, international organizations, and civil society alike. Absolutely, and it's heartening to see that there are tangible solutions and initiatives that are making a difference, along with growing recognition of the importance of gender-responsive policies in climate change and drought management. The combination of local initiatives, national policies, and international support can create a holistic approach to addressing the pressing issue of gender inequality and drought resilience. Yep, it's a multi-layered effort that has the potential to bring about real change and enhance the resilience of communities facing drought. As we wrap our, up our discussion today, let's summarize the key takeaways from our exploration of drought and gender inequality in sub-Saharan Africa. We've learned that drought has far-reaching consequences on communities and societies, affecting health, education, livelihoods, and even perpetuating cycles of poverty. Women and gender minorities bear a disproportionate burden during droughts, from collecting water to caregiving, and face additional challenges due to gender-based discrimination. It's vital to reiterate the importance of addressing gender inequality in drought resilience efforts. Recognizing and empowering women and marginalized groups is not only a matter of justice, but also a practical necessity. 
Gender equality is fundamental to building more resilient and sustainable communities that can effectively tackle the challenges of climate change and drought. Yes, it truly is so important to shed light on this crisis. And to finish this episode, we just want to leave listeners with some questions to think about in order to explore the topic a little deeper. So first off, so far we've focused on the gendered impacts of drought in a developing region, Sub-Saharan Africa. But this issue isn't unique to lower income regions. It's a problem in wealthier states as well, such as Australia, which is a particularly drought-prone developed country. Do you think that there are similar inequalities in a developed country experiencing drought? For example, if we were to look at Australia, what are some potential similarities or differences between drought and gender inequality in Australia versus in Sub-Saharan Africa? That's a great question. Additionally, we've largely centered our discussion around women, but there are many other marginalized genders that exist and struggle with intense inequality. For example, those who fall under the umbrellas of transgender and or non-binary identities, as well as traditional genders from indigenous nations, such as two-spirit people. Unfortunately, these communities are still very understudied and under-discussed. So we'd like our listeners to take a moment to consider what their experiences could be like when living through drought. What unique challenges would people of especially marginalized genders face? And what are some ways they could receive either general or targeted support? To our listeners, we want to leave you with actionable steps to support efforts in reducing gender inequality exasperated by drought and climate change. Consider donating to organizations that empower women in drought-prone regions, participate in advocacy campaigns that promote gender-responsive policies, and educate yourself about the intersection of gender, climate change, and drought. Thinking specifically about Canada, where although we don't experience extreme drought, we do have severe inequalities in terms of water access especially in regards to Indigenous communities. This has gendered implications as well, as many in many nations, women are the traditional water protectors. In this context, what steps do you think could be taken to minimize the consequences of water insecurity and gender inequality within Canada? Thank you for joining us today and exploring this critical topic. We invite you to continue your journey of understanding and advocacy for gender equality in the face of drought. Disclaimer, while this podcast is supported by the College of Sustainability at Dalhousie University, the thoughts and beliefs shared by hosts do not reflect the views of Dalhousie University.